Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. We roll along. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Good fun so far today. Hembo was all upset about the players not playing in the All-Star game. We allowed him to voice that frustration. We had Buster Olney getting set to go cover the All-Star game tonight. We talked about Pete Alonso being, in my opinion, the greatest home run derby participant ever when it's all said and done. I think we will name the award at the event after him. It'll be the Pete Alonso Home Run Derby champion going forward. I think he's just that good at it. And we talked about international competition and whether or not um, Americans will be all upset if our team, if the American team does not win the gold medal in the Olympics in basketball. And men's basketball is something that we have dominated basically forever. People can still, the fact that you can remember so vividly the times we didn't mm-hmm. win goes to give you an indication and we got cheated in 72 and then John Thompson's team in 88 didn't win the gold, which resulted in the dream team. And then, of course, we had the team that Larry Brown coached in the late 2000s that led to Mike Krzyzewski. And I don't know if we're going to win at this time or not. Losing two exhibitions doesn't mean we're not going to win Olympic gold. It just it certainly at least makes you think about the possibility. All of this was in my mind because I did find myself getting more attached to the Euros than I expected to. I admit all the time, international soccer is not my cup of tea. I respect the game, and I certainly enjoy people's passion for it. And that was actually what drew me in, to be honest with you. Being in the city as much as I have been over the last month or so, if you just walk down the streets, let's try and paint a little picture for you. If you walk down the streets in Manhattan, and I'm sure this is true of practically every major city in the country, so many of the, of the establishments have created outdoor seating and dining in the wake of the pandemic. And so many of them brought big TVs out there so that they could have all the spillover crowd to watch these games. And so right down the block from where I live, there was a bar that it clearly had been chosen as a place that all the Italy fans were going to go. So every time Italy played, this place was mobbed and the fans are losing their minds. And it was fun to go watch. I was watching the fans watching the game as much as I was watching the game. Says I go over there, we'll have a drink, and we'll watch the fans watch the game. It was actually very entertaining, and there are those kinds of bars all over the city. So the point is that I got sort of sucked into all of it. And as a result, I think that was why I was so dissatisfied with the conclusion which is to say, I was rooting for Italy against England, but I didn't care that much who won. I would much rather have had a more satisfying conclusion with England winning than have it go to this nonsensical penalty kicks, which I have said forever I can't stand. It is dramatic and exciting, but it is the worst way I could ever imagine to settle something important. Now, my colleague, Mr. Hembo over here, tweeted right after that ended. Right after the shootout, Hembo tweeted, the penalty kick shootout in soccer is the greatest climax in sports. Nothing else comes close. Always brilliant. Why you chose to tweet that with an accent, I have no idea. (laughs) But I've known you for years. You've never used the words climax or brilliant ever in this context. I've not. So you chose to tweet those as a Brit for reasons known only to you. But go ahead. Defend your beloved penalty kicks. I will give you the floor. It is the most exciting, dramatic, captivating thing that happens in sports on a big stage. Every single thing about it, I love. Every single thing about it is so entertaining. It is 
the players are so incredibly vulnerable. It's mano y mano. They're they're vulnerable. They're they're naked, and the psychology of it, the psychology of it really really fascinates me because theoretically, like making a free throw, it's a super easy thing to do, and yet these guys talk themselves in and out of ways how to kick it. The goalies are playing mind games with them. That piece of it fascinates me, and the way that it's shot on television is just brilliant. So look, I, not, nowhere in my tweet that I argue that it's equitable or fair or a reasonable way to determine the outcome of a championship. All I argued was that it's the most entertaining thing we have in sports. You called it the greatest climax. In sports, the word choice fascinates me mm. there. Here's what I will say. You love baseball more than anything, right? That's right. Do you like when they put a runner on second base in the 11th inning to try and move the game along faster? I do not. Why? Because it reminds me of Little League or something. It's gimmicky. Very much so. It's contrived. Mm-hmm. It's not a reasonable way to settle something that means something. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If we were to choose, if a world, let's say the, 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 the World Series is being played this year. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to make this thing up. Let's just say the World Series is being played between the New York Mets and the Chicago White Sox. I'm just making it up. And at, at the end of 10 innings of game one, they decide to have a home run derby like we had last night amongst each team's top sluggers. Or in fact, just take one top slugger off each team and do a home run derby to decide who wins game one. Would that be exciting? It would be exciting, yes. Would there be great drama? There would be great drama. Would it probably be shot really well on television? It would look great on TV. Would the psychology of it really be remarkable in the way they chose the player? Who chose to do it? Who was going to throw the pitches? Would all those things be fascinating? Very much so. Would it be a great climax to a World Series game? It would be very climatic. And my question to you is, are you in favor of that? Because that would be no less contrived than this nonsense they do at the end of the Euros or the World Cup or any of these other games that everyone is telling me how incredibly important they are. Hockey in this country gets it right. They do the contrived nonsense during the regular season. We don't want the game to end in a tie, so we'll do a shootout. But when it matters, we'll play four overtimes if we have to. No one's playing harder than these hockey players. We're all worried the soccer players are going to be so tired. Are they skating around the entire time, smashing like hell into each other? (laughs) Every time a soccer player gets breathed on, he's lying on the ground writhing in agony. That's painful. So, But someone tell the hockey players how tired the soccer players would be if we forced them to play a little more overtime. I'm sure Sidney Crosby will find that hilarious. You're you're drawing false equivalences. How? It's the same exact thing. It is not at all the same exact thing because soccer is unique and different because soccer is, it it is much harder to score in soccer than it is basketball or baseball or hockey or any other sport. I watched for 30 minutes, neither side tried to win. Between minutes 90 and 120, no one tried. Why? Because they knew they had this penalty kicks coming up afterwards so the game would be made better if they didn't know they had that sitting there. The better team would be trying to score. Because they would still be playing now and all starving and dehydrated. No, they wouldn't. Someone would eventually score, and when they did, it would be great. Someone would eventually score. How eventually, we don't know. And it wouldn't be nearly as dramatic as this with these guys running ragged for three hours. How many hockey games in in Stanley Cup history have gone to a fourth overtime? You've now played a second game to its entirety, right? Mm -hmm. You have played an entire second game that night. And yet no one sits there saying, you know, 
they really need to institute the penalty kicks or the, whatever that would be, the shootout right. in hockey because these guys are going to get too tired. We don't seem to worry about that in anything else. Why have we decided in this one sport these guys can't keep running a little longer? <laughs> Add more substitutions if you want to. If it's still tied, let guys come back in if you want to. I'm, I'm open to all of that. None of that is as contrived as this. I actually looked up. The rules of the penalty, if you just br- drop the person down, if you and I are watching this, this this great climax you enjoyed so much mm-hmm. the other day, if you were in my house watching this, and the third person uh, of our viewing party was from Mars, had literally just arrived from Mars, had never heard of the sport, had never heard of sports, didn't know what was going on, and watched 120 minutes with us and liked it. And then it started the penalty kicks. And this Martian said, wait a minute, what's going on now? And you said, well, the referee is going to toss a coin to decide the goal at which the kicks will be taken. The referee will toss that coin a second time to determine which will be the first kick. All players other than the kicker and the keeper must remain in the pitch's center circle. Each kick will be taken in the manner of a penalty kick, uh, which is 12 yards from the goal, equidistant from each touchline. The goal defended only by the opposing keeper who must remain between the goalposts on his goal line until the ball has been kicked, although he can jump in place, wave his arms, move side to side along the goal line, or otherwise try to distract the shooter. We have now gotten through four of the subsets of the procedure for this, which goes on to 21. There are 21 little contrived ways in which we are now settling this 120-minute epic battle that we just enjoyed watching. How would you explain to this guy what a good idea it was? By the way, there's never been a quadruple overtime game in Stanley Cup history. There has been. Just looked it up. Uh, it, but, but I, I question your information. Uh, my information is, is correct. Okay. The, the home run derby example is a bad one because... Like the penalty kicks happen in soccer all the time. It's not like they're doing something that's not germane. If, if someone gets tripped up in the box, they they shoot the penalty kicks. Like it's it's part of the game. Right. It's not like you don't. It you, happens far less frequently than a lot of other things happen. We have more home run derbies every single year. Uh, that more home runs hit, and more runners are on second base uh, through the normal course of events. Sure. Mm-hmm. How many times is there in a baseball game a runner on second and nobody out? Often. Often. Very often. Far more often than there is a penalty kick in a soccer game. Far more often. But the sports, to me, are just different. Like, you're... You are why we can't have nice things. Like, we're not deciding world wars here. It's, it's a soccer tournament. It's super fun. It's super interesting. It's very climatic. Okay. And that's all that I'm saying. It's I'm not with equi- you. The, the best tournament we have in this country is the NCAA basketball tournament. Right. What you said many times is probably the worst way to determine a champion, but we all love it. It's sports. It doesn't matter that much. It was fun, and I liked it. Try telling all those people sitting in those stands that it didn't matter that much. It looked like it mattered a lot to me. <laughs> and the final word I will have on this is I now am going to put you in charge of our committee. Bubba's going to put together a committee, okay. which is we're going to make a movement. This will be the next Greenie rule, that we should determine the outcome of World Series games if they go too many innings by a home run derby. <laughs> it would be just as dramatic. It'll be just as exciting. It'll be just as much fun. Uh, Greenie presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. I have more to say about that. Plus, coming up next, we can easily identify the most disrespected player in sports today. I will tell you who that is next. This is ESPN Radio. Don't miss a minute of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Justin Herbert. I don't see young quarterbacks that come in and take the NFL by storm as a rookie and fall off a cliff. Yeah, that dude, he, he gonna be special. Wake up with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Tomorrow starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. If you miss anything on the program, we've had a lot of fun today. We'd have fun every day. We're live two hours every single day, coast to coast on ESPN Radio. And we are also streaming live every day on ESPN Plus, which means that lives up there for the rest of the day. If you're on ESPN Plus, you can watch anytime you want. And we're a podcast. They take each hour of the show posted daily as a podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. It's called Hashtag Greenie. So lots of different ways you can join in our fun here. And before I move on to the most disrespected player in all of sports, Hembo and I have been going back and forth about the travesty that is penalty kicks deciding a very important event. Hembo loves them and called them the greatest climax in sports. I think that they're obviously exciting and dramatic, but a ridiculous way to settle a matter that we're describing as important. So I want to have Bubba weigh in because mm. you know, there's really no one whose opinion on this I think is more important because many people do not know this, but, but Bubba actually has invented many of the sports that we watch today and, and uh, are, are very much attached to emotionally. He's, he's got a lot of that in his background. So your understanding, Bubba, of the climax at the end of, of an important game I think is really significant here. So where do you stand on the issue, Bubba, of penalty kicks to settle the Euros? Well, first, I'm a little disturbed, like you are, with the well, the way Hembo wrote that tweet. Hmm, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what's he what's he doing here? Hmm. I'm with you. I, 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 let me read it again for those of you who very are, questionable have to, not to read start. It. Let me just get that out there. He he tweeted, and I quote: "The penalty kick shootout in soccer is the greatest climax in sports. Nothing else comes close. Always brilliant. You chose to tweet with a British accent for no reason. There's no reason that you should have tweeted that in British." I was just coming off this, this great adrenaline rush from watching the greatest finish to any sporting event in my life. I'm surprised you didn't say sport singular. Mm, right, exactly. Yeah, I was missing that. English, England were brilliant. I'm surprised you didn't use all of their terminology. All of a sudden, you're Ian Dark out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm trying to watch a soccer game. But anyway, beyond the, the inappropriate uh, syntax that Hembo chose, right. what do we think of the actual PKs? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I would agree in the sense that it is an awesome watch but yeah to Greeny's point it's a ridiculous way to crown a champion or move on to the next round in a playoff I mean it's absurd yeah I mean it, it makes no sense there's nothing regular it doesn't it's not how the game is played so yeah I would uh, have to agree with you Greeny it's it's a fun watch but that's not the game so it's Pretty questionable. I like him. I like Bubba being on my side. And here's what I'll say. We can't just excuse it as a fun watch. Mm. Like we can't just say, well, it's so dramatic that that makes it worth it because there are a million things I could suggest that we would do that. 
Like, if, if after 72 holes at the Masters, Tiger and Phil are tied, they could, if they wanted to, just have, like, a putt-out. <laughs> they, they could just put the ball in various spots and have them each putt once. and Or they could choose – they could let their caddies putt against each other. There's a million things we could do. Soccer is different. So- it's the hardest sport. Why is it different? To, because it's impossible to score in soccer. It was 1-1, and they played for 120 minutes. It, it, but they would eventually score. It would eventually happen. Let, let's come to a conference. Okay. What what if every say five minutes, every ten minutes, whatever, you pulled off one player at a time? So you play ten on ten, and then sure. nine on nine. Then Love nine. it. In soul. You like that more? Yes. Much lower. That actually happens, right? They give a guy two yellows or a red card well, or yeah. whatever it is. You're playing short-handed. Now you can't park the bus, or at least the bus is smaller than the previous bus. There's a. Li- I mean, I'm all for anything that is actually the playing of soccer to determine the winner of a soccer game. I want to see soccer being played if they're gonna if they're gonna determine the winner of a soccer game. I think it would be much less satisfying than you think in principle. I actually agree with you. It's not fair or reasonable, but that's not the point that I'm making. I think it's the greatest climax in sports. Okay, I understand that you think that. In the meantime, let me get back to what I promised. The scoop. The scoop is this. Ryan Tannehill is the most disrespected player in American sports today. Our friend and colleague Jeremy Fowler has this fabulous series on ESPN.com. If you haven't checked it out, you should. In which he polls, he does this every year, he polls a huge number of NFL personnel, general managers, scouts, coaches, executives, all these different people. And from them, he puts together top 10 lists of each different position. Right, so who's the top running back? Derrick Henry was number one. Who's the top quarterback? Patrick Mahomes is number one. He does it with every position. So I, of course, was the most interested in the quarterback, one. And number one was Patrick Mahomes. I have no quarrel there. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. It seems logical to me. Number three, Tom Brady. Oh, yeah, I'm good with that. Number four was Russell Wilson. And I kept looking down the list, and I thought to myself, did they forget Ryan Tannehill? Like, was he purposefully excluded for some reason? And then they mentioned him in also receiving consideration, and I realized, no. They just dissed and dismissed Ryan Tannehill, who over the last two years has been as good as any quarterback in the sport. So I had Hembo put together some numbers for me so we can really make that point. Since Ryan Tannehill became their starting quarterback, Tennessee's offense is number one in yards per game. It's number one in yards per play. It's number one in red zone. It's number three in scoring. It's number three in total efficiency. It's number three in third down. And don't tell me that's Derrick Henry. Don't tell me it's all Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry ranked 14th in the NFL in rushing in 2019 at the time that Ryan Tannehill took over as the starting quarterback. Since then, he has run for a 1,000 more yards than any other back in the NFL. When Marcus Mariota was the starting quarterback, Derrick Henry averaged 51 rushing yards per game. Since Tannehill took over, he averages 126. Since Tannehill became their quarterback, they're 18-8 and eight, plus two playoff wins with a 29th-ranked defense in the sport. Since became the starter, Ryan Tannehill is number one in average yards per attempt. He's number three in QBR. And only Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson have thrown more touchdowns. So Ryan Tannehill's numbers are stupendous. They're off the charts ridiculous. People still perceive that as a defense team. Their defense stinks. Ryan Tannehill is the reason they've gotten so good. And yet when they, when they poll people in the sport, he's not in the top 10. 
It's got to be a joke. Why is Ryan Tannehill so completely disrespected and overlooked? It is because people had a perception of him in Miami that they've never gotten past. It's as though they've forgotten that the problem in Miami was Adam Gase. That Adam Gase coached Ryan Tannehill into that. And he came here and he became this. He's been as good as any quarterback with no exceptions in the NFL in the year and a half that he's been a starter. You want to tell me it's only a year and a half? It's not enough of a sample size? That's the only reasonable argument I can see against saying that he is an elite quarterback. He is as elite as anybody you want to name. So, Bubba, once again, I will ask you, as a longtime NFL front office executive and scout, why is Ryan Tannehill so disrespected? You want to turn your mic on? I mean, what are we doing here? You, you are there's, the board operator of this show. The, the only person whose mic should be most easily be turned on is yours. I can't, I, I can't give you a good answer for it. There's no logical reason why he's so disrespected. Where should Ryan Tannehill be on the list of best quarterbacks in the NFL? What number should he be? Uh, I don't know. Probably like six behind deck. <laughs> so it's, it should be. So I, I'm willing to give you. I'm even willing to give you Dak. I don't agree with it, but at least he's a reasonable person yeah, to put ahead of him. No, I'd say he's top uh, top ten. If he played on another team, if Ryan Tannehill played on a team that most people pay more attention to, Ryan Tannehill would be a superstar in the NFL right now. The perception that Derrick Henry created Ryan Tannehill is factually incorrect based on every single piece of data. Greeny just told you that in Ryan Tannehill's starts, Derrick Henry has averaged 126 rushing yards per game. That is the most by any running back in NFL history with any single quarterback. Number one, he went from being a bust to being a Hall of Famer. That's what Ryan Tannehill did. Okay, coming up next, speaking of disrespect, I will tell you what you should have in common right now with a legendary character named Howard Beale. That's next on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Going to explain to you why you have one thing in common right now with someone named Howard Beale, whom you have never met. I'll explain that in 30 seconds after this word from Zip Recruiter. The football offseason is always wild. With all the trades, free agent signings, and new coaching hires, teams have to be excited for the coming season. If you want to hire people you're really excited about, team up with Zip Recruiter, the matching technology that finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on Zip Recruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. To try Zip Recruiter for free, just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'm sorry, what? what, what? I'm sorry, what? what? I'm sorry, what? 
I'm sorry, what? You may not know the name Howard Beale, but you know something that he said. I saw him say it on Broadway a couple of years ago. Do you know who Howard Beale is, Hembo? I don't. Do you, Bubba, know who Howard Beale is? I do not. That's fascinating to me because of your long and storied career as a, a screenplay writer. Howard Beale is the main character, the news anchor, in a legendary movie called Network. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about now, yeah. Which they brought to Broadway, and I saw a couple of years ago, and I didn't love it, but that's neither here nor there. But he utters, that TV anchor in that movie utters one of the most famous lines in motion picture history when I says, I want everyone to open your window and yell as loud as you can, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. That's Howard Beale. It's one of the great moments in motion picture history. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And if you are a baseball fan, you are within your rights to feel that way today. Hembo, tell everybody why. Well, today, the the All-Star game is going to be played in Denver, Colorado. And it's going to be played without something like six or eight of the players that were elected to play the game. Of, Of which Jacob deGrom is one, and I think probably the most prominent one amongst them. There are four members of the Houston Astros that are opting not to go to the All-Star game. And frankly, I hate that because it's very soft. It's very weak because baseball fans have now been wanting for two years to have the opportunity to boo Astros at the All-Star game. And every single one of them is passing. So the point that I think is is most worth making today, Greeny, is when did players decide to stop caring about the fans as much as the fans care about them. The All-Star Game is merely a celebration. It's not a game that matters, but it is an opportunity for us to celebrate the best and greatest among us. And it's an opportunity for us as fans to cheer those players on. And it is a responsibility of the players to show up, pay their respects, and show their appreciation to pay the game forward. Because this game, this beautiful game, as it was perfectly conceived, is fragile. And it is vital that we not take that for granted. Yep. It's extremely well said. And so you're mad as hell, and you're not going to take it anymore, mm-hmm. and you kind of exploded at the very beginning of our show today, and mm-hmm. I don't blame you. I get it. I, I, I feel how you feel about this. The bottom line of it is this. The unwritten agreement that I think fans and players should make is we won't begrudge you how great your life is by being a sports superstar if every now and again – You just make it clear you recognize it, that you appreciate how great your life is, that not all of us live the way you do, that not all of us have the same experiences that you do, that not all of us know what it is to stand in the middle of a mound and have 50,000 people rise as one to cheer you or to cheer against you. Not all of us know what it's like to be able to say, well, I'll jump on a private plane and just show up in Denver tonight for an hour and tip my cap. Not all of us know what it would be like to be a great ball player, and we never will. And almost everyone listening to this conversation grew up wanting to be. Mm. Because why would you be listening to me talk about sports if this isn't something that you loved? And somewhere along the line, the overwhelming majority of us figured out, well, I'm just not going to be good enough to play. When I was a kid, I wanted to be the starting point guard for the New York Knicks. Life happens. (laughs) I found another way to stay involved in sports because I love it that much. You're listening to me because you love it that much. It's not too much to ask the players to demonstrate that they appreciate that, that they recognize it. And again, I get it. Sometimes it's got to be a two-way street. 
I get that players put up with an unprecedented amount of nonsense, of vitriol, of nastiness. You got the, those guys on England who had their murals defaced and had horrible racial, racist stuff being tweeted at them after they didn't score on the penalty kicks the other day. I get it. Terrible stuff like that happens. But in the same way that when athletes do something we don't like, they should not be painted with a broad brush. Fans should not be painted with a broad brush. Mm. I don't, fans don't want to feel as though we are a necessary evil in this equation. We are the consumers. We are the ones who actually make it all go. That has largely been forgotten. And part of the reason for that is that as fans, we sometimes act more like sheep than we act like consumers. The example I would give you is when I was a kid growing up, most of my life actually, my parents owned a little bookstore. They had a small business. When my mom retired from teaching, they they opened a bookstore on 35th and Madison in Manhattan. They owned it for 30 years until my dad, you know, couldn't do it anymore. But I worked there every summer. Every summer for, I want to say, five summers in a row, that was my summer job. I worked in the store. And I know just from that little tiny bit of experience that the most important people are the customers. If the customers came in and I said, you know, I'm not crazy about the way you smell. I'm not crazy about the way you look. I'm not crazy about the way you just looked at me. I'm not crazy about the way you just asked me that question. So I'm going to refuse to sell you a book. Our store would have closed in the blink of an eye. Sometimes you got to put up with a little bit of nonsense when you're running a business. So that's all I'm saying is it wouldn't kill the athletes every now and again to remind us that we rec- that they recognize how good their lives are. And that's why a guy like Phil Mickelson, when he's walking up the 18th fairway at the Ocean Course two months ago, and the entire world stands as one to cheer him, those who were there on the course following him, and all the rest of us who were watching on television and following him from afar, we stood to cheer for one simple reason. Not because a 51-year-old man was about to win a major, and that's the oldest of all time. There's a ton of 51-year-old men that could have won that major, set that record, and the reaction wouldn't have been one-tenth what it was. The reaction is what it is to Phil Mickelson, because he has spent his entire professional life demonstrating to the fans that he cares about them. He goes out of his way just a little. He doesn't build his entire life around them. He goes out of his way just enough to make sure they know he cares. And in return, they will love him forever. It's that simple. And so that's, I think, a word of advice for these ball players. Now, guys like the ones who are choosing not to play today, they've already got all the money they could ever spend in 10 lifetimes, so it's not going to impact them. But you said a good word in there, Hembo. It's fragile. It's fragile. This is not guaranteed 20 years from now. The kids are growing up right now. We need kids to fall in love with baseball and to want to play it. And one very good way to do that is to have the best players in the Mm. game participating in this event. Now, again, am I suggesting that that Jacob deGrom not pitching the All-Star game tonight is going to destroy the future of baseball? Obviously not. But those things are put in place brick by brick, little tiny bricks. The stuff is built on a very big foundation that dates back 150 years. And you have to keep contributing to that. You got to keep putting your brick in instead of pulling it out like it's a game of Jenga. Because eventually, if you pull enough of those out, the whole thing falls. That's going to take a long time if it ever happens, and I hope to God it never does. But that, I think, is the lesson of this. And so, Hembo, that's well said. All right, one thing I wanted to do before we're done. 
Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. So my favorite event of All-Star Weekend is not the All-Star Game. It's not the Home Run Derby. It's the Celebrity and Legend Softball All-Star Game. I took part in that multiple times, and I have some of the best memories of my life being a part of that. We did it in St. Louis. Mike and I coached against each other in St. Louis, and that was a, a, an epic night. I remember that. There was a long rain delay, and they, we were there super late at night, and, and the, the fans hung out, and they were so great. And St. Louis had all these great celebrities. John Hamm was on my team. Bob Knight was on my team. Bob Knight was furious where he was in the batting order. Like, they batted him 16th or something. We had, Ooh. like, a million players. Mm-hmm. And Knight comes over to me as the manager, and he wants to talk to me about where he is in the batting order. And I was like, first of all, he's a monster of a man. You ever stood next to Bob Knight? No. He's like six foot thirty, and he weighs a hundred billion pounds. He's enormous, and he puts his arm around me, and he goes, "Greeny, I want to talk to you about this batting order." And I said, "Coach, you do recognize I didn't make that, right? I'm I'm the manager of this team in name only." <laughs> I didn't fill out this. These these are decisions made by other people. I just showed up and put on a uniform. But I did make one brilliant managerial move. And it took place in the house that Ruth built. In the last ever All-Star game played at the old Yankee Stadium. It was a a, a very big deal in New York. Very big deal everywhere. Last All-Star game in New York before they moved to the new Yankee Stadium the following season. So Mike and I are managing the Celebrity and Legend All-Star game that year against each other. And it's a good game. It's a close game. And as the game goes on, you start getting kind of sucked up in it. Like, you know, I'm managing the game. I want to see us win. I can do very little about it. Again, I don't make the batting order. I, I You know, some of the p- taking players out, we did. But that most of that was preordained anyway. You have to get everybody into the game. We had... I mean, Billy Crystal and Chris Rock was on my team, and and um, trying to think who else was on my team. Penny Marshall was on my team. It was just the strangest, you know, uh, con- you know, group of of New Yorkers who are playing in this game. But anyway, the game is going on, and we're in the bottom of the last inning. Golick's team is up. We're up by one run. There's two outs in the last inning, and Wade Boggs is coming to the plate. My pitcher is James Denton. The actor from Desperate Housewives. <laughs> He's pitching. It's a bad matchup for you. Boggs is coming to the plate. And Boggs, the crowd stands and cheers. He had already hit a home run in the game, if memory serves. He's Wade Boggs. <laughs> so you don't need me to tell you he's pretty good at this. <laughs> My pitcher is James Denton. Good-looking actor. <laughs> nice guy. Crowd is standing and cheering. There's a ton of people there. A ton of people at this game. It, it gets played on the Sunday before the Monday before the Tuesday. It airs, I think, on the Monday night, or at least it did then. But, but, but we did this on a Sunday afternoon, beautiful, sunny Sunday afternoon in the Bronx, New York. Wade Boggs is standing at the plate. The crowd is standing as one. I walked out to the mound. And I looked up at James Denton. I said, Jim, big fella, we're putting this man on. And he looked at me as God is my witness and said, what does that mean? <laughs> and I said, we are going to intentionally walk Wade Boggs to pitch to Kenny Maine with two outs and a one-run lead in the celebrity and legend softball game. And he looked at me and said, are you kidding? And I said, no, we're going to walk him. We intentionally walk Wade Boggs, the booing 
was deafening. It was we we got booed. I mean, I can't be. I've never heard booing like that in my life. I've covered the biggest sporting events that they've ever been, but on that sunny Sunday afternoon. The 30,000 or so people that were in the old Yankee Stadium booed me like there was no tomorrow. My parents were in the stands, both of them raised in the Bronx. My mother grew up walking distance from Yankee Stadium, and her son is being booed loudly in the house that Ruth built. Kenny Mayne comes up next, pops out to right field. We won the game. The crowd will not stop booing me. <laughs> I mean, they're, they are livid my my team is disgusted by me <laughs> james denton everyone on the team is like i can't believe we did that everyone is freaking out mike thought it was funny we all kind of laughed about it kenny man i think kenny i think had a sense of humor about it i don't know i don't think he loved it but whatever and they interview me you know they come over and they interview me and they said why would you walk wade boggs intentionally in a celebrity softball game And I said, well, why were we keeping score? It seems to me if we're keeping score, the objective is to try and win. So that's what I did. And we won the game. As far as I'm concerned, I got that exactly right. Perhaps not coincidentally, I wasn't asked to manage the team the following year. (laughs) But I still consider it to be my greatest moment in sports. And let me bring Bubba back in one more time today. Bubba, many of you may not know this, but Bubba was uh, a very successful baseball coach on the collegiate level and, uh, and actually took two or three different teams, if I remember correctly, to the College World Series. So let me ask you, did I do the right thing or the wrong thing to intentionally walk Wade Boggs in a celebrity softball game? Well, again, I have one question. Mm-hmm. Did you win the game? Mm-hmm. You did the right thing. That's it. That's it. I mean, in a competitive event, I understand that it was only so competitive. Like, it was, it was competitive only to a point. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Just because just it's Wade Boggs, lose the game? That's what I mean. Just because? That's, the, what, that's not fun. Hembo, do you think I did the right or the wrong thing? I think you did the right thing. Uh, the right thing? I think you did the right thing. That's two votes on my side. Nuno, did I do the right or the wrong thing? You probably violated some unwritten rule that you're going to get in trouble for. You did the wrong thing. Yeah, but, 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 so you're saying that the unwritten rule would be disrespecting Wade Boggs? Throw, or a, throw at him or, you know, see what he can what we do. Should have done. We should have plunked Wade Boggs. With the underhand pitch? That would have been less. Yeah, but he would have gone to first base and Kenny Main still would have popped out and we still would have won. So you could have done it more conspicuously. Could have done it more conspicuously. The problem is he would have gotten out of the way of the pitch. He's Wade Boggs and right. my pitcher was an actor. Yeah. So I have a feeling <laughs> he, he would have been able to drill him anyway that is uh, of all my memories of all-star weekends and i've had the extraordinary privilege of being uh, a part of many of them that's my favorite memory that's my favorite story anyway enjoy the game tonight don't worry about who isn't there enjoy the players who are there have a good time watching it pay it forward and we will see you back and better than ever to talk about that and a whole lot more same time same place tomorrow greeny on espn radio Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.